Ginger on ginger, ginger on ginger, Jacob has red hair, so does Alex. Hello and welcome to Ginger on Ginger on Ginger, the show where three redhead comedians choose a word, phrase, or concept and then talk about it through our gingery lens. I'm Jacob Godby. And I'm Alex Tate. And I'm at uh, at Kevin T. Porter on Instagram and Twitter. (laughs) Hey, we have a third redhead this week. Our first redhead guest ever is joining us. Please welcome Kevin T. Porter. Wait, is that true? Yeah, you're our first redhead guest. Yeah. Oh, wow. What an honor. We're nearing 100 episodes and it's embarrassing, but uh, here you are. Our first redhead guest. Do you regret not making this the 100th episode? Well, I actually guess, you know, now that you say that, uh, but you know, the 87th episode is so much more special than the 100th, Kevin. And that's why you're here. I think so. Yeah. Everyone loves the number 87. If it's not, you know, doesn't end with a five or a zero. It's like, what, seven? That's good too. People love it. When when Uh you ask, you know. Think of a number between one and ten. It's commonly seven. So that's that's why you're mm-hmm. here. <laughs> that's great. No, oh, I'm so glad. What you know, I'm not into numerology or anything, but I hope we get into it. I hope we get into astrology. I hope we get into enneagram and personality. Sure. What's tests. your sign? Well, I don't know. Oh, okay. oh, actually, no, I do. I'm a Libra, and I know that because I just had a birthday like two weeks ago. All right. I'm a Cancer. I don't know anything of what that means. I don't either. Yeah, I have no idea. Someone out there is pulling their hair out right now, like just wanting to tell us what that means. I was watching um, stupid reality TV shows, as I do uh, quite often, that I love a lot. And this was Love Island, uh, which is a UK stupid reality dating show. And there was a Scottish man on there, and he said, "Uh, I'm a Libra, and I'm a Libra on a construction site. And I said, who cares if you're a Libra on a construction site? Only to realize he was a laborer <laughs> on a construction site. And the amount of time that Scottish people have been mistaken as Libras yeah, exactly. for that very reason. <laughs> it's an epidemic yeah, it's, it's all of, Scottish, of misaligned Scots. All Scottish construction workers are also Libras. Arguably the most marginalized group in the, in the world <laughs> is Scottish construction workers. Yeah. That's sort of the premise of this show as well, is, is redheads. You know, the people don't understand that. One, we take more anesthesia. Two, uh-huh. we use more sunscreen. And three, that's it. That's the only things harder about yeah, our lives. But we're, let's start the discourse. <laughs> How can we get our rights as men? Yeah. Our men's... Uh, well, okay. Mm, yeah, back on, up on that, that one. Hang on a sec. Just ginger rights in general. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's probably good. Uh, Kevin, you are the host of the podcast Inside Voices and Good Christian Fun which I enjoy very much. I listened to an episode of Good Christian Fun uh, kind of, you know, to research you and, and get your vibe. And I loved it. I honestly loved it. I listened to the Reliant K episode from a couple of years ago. Oh, thank you so much. Yes, Jeremy Olson was our guest on that. We had such a good time with him. And I grew up, so I grew up Lutheran, Kevin, and uh, I uh-huh. love Reliant K. And I'm not going to harp on you at all for not enjoying the lyrics because I agree with your assessment of them. But, you guys mentioned Acquire the Fire, which I did attend as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did as well. I remember attending at least one of those. And and for your listeners that may not know, I mean, how, how would you describe it, Jacob? It's it's essentially just a, a conference for getting on fire for the Lord, for getting serious about spreading the gospel to kids at your school, I guess, when you're a young person. Yeah, it was like a big deal because Alex and I are both in Montana. So it was in the biggest city in Montana, which... Mm-hmm. 120,000 people. That's the biggest town in Montana. Okay. <laughs> and uh, Skillet was the headliner. 
Hell yeah. Best kept secret. Yeah, we saw uh, Nevertheless, they were there as well. Mm-hmm. And for yours, did they break up at one point? Did they break out and do like breakout sessions uh, by gender? Uh, they did, but I have such a fuzzy memory of it because there was a girl that I had a crush on that I was trying to get with that was also at the conference. Cause, uh-huh. So maybe I didn't even go to the breakout session supposed to i man at this point that was 20 plus years ago fair enough so uh when they broke us out they took the guys aside and this guy came and he did like a speech and he was talking about virginity and purity and how he was very upset that he had lost his virginity before marriage and Mm -hmm. then they wheeled out this cart of like old windows monitors and some aluminum bats and uh, he led like a chant. He was like, when a woman tempts you, what are you going to say? And we were like, no. And then he brought up kids from the audience to put on gla- like goggles. And he'd be like, what is, when a woman comes after you, what are you going to do? And this kid was like, no. And then he smashed the, the screen on the monitors. So that's like, that's like weird association. Like that you're associating like a woman approaching you with like smashing with something with a baseball bat. Yeah. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, mixed mixed messages for the, sure. What was I, the, this is this is novel for me, Jacob. I have not heard this uh, allegory illustration before <laughs> in two hundred plus episodes of my show. I've heard the rose. I've heard you know, you know the tape that gets all the lint on it. I've not heard a woman equals you smashing a computer monitor. Is that a pornography thing? It might have been, you know, my memory's a little fuzzy as well. I remember not really vibing with the message, but also being mad that I wasn't one of the ones that got to smash a monitor. <laughs> yeah, I'd be mad too. It sounds like it made a lot of young men mad, which isn't that always the goal. <laughs> that was right around that time where you're like, at least for me, my parents would have, would, were just like harping on me not to talk to anyone on the internet because uh-huh. they were going to kidnap me and they were going to get all my information um so maybe they they were like don't don't you know it's another form of temptation because you can find so many more people on the internet that you need to destroy yeah if if women are hitting you up on runescape get the hell out of there yeah yeah, yeah. oh my god (laughs) the rules did it work did did you uh were you able to control temptation because of that workshop uh no, actually I I, <laughs> oh, man. I do have the what I call the baptismal contingency plan working for me, but I have uh, I took those lessons and I, I was also confirmed. But since then, I would say that the Lord and I have probably gone on two separate. You're tracks. on a break at least, if not completely broken up. But it's <laughs> it's one of those breaks where it's like we're probably not going to get back together, but we're just calling it a break right now. And the Lord's like, I don't know, maybe. And you're like, eh. Eh, Yeah, like the sex is good on Christmas, if you know what I mean. The sex is good on Christmas. And isn't that, man, (laughs) that reminds, actually, no, that's a tangent I won't go down. But just (laughs) holiday sex generally, it'd be interesting to get a survey of like, the holiday that people have the most set maybe it's Valentine's Day, maybe that's a gimmick. But between like Christmas and Thanksgiving, what's the one we're usually trapped at home with family? Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, exactly. So I, I feel like it's a pretty chaste uh, holiday. We actually discussed a couple weeks ago on here foods that you don't want to eat before having sex. So I feel like Thanksgiving, I don't feel like very many people are getting it on. You know, they're they're fighting off naps. Sure. Well, this is the Dan Savage little life hack that he says for long term committed couples is. Always make love before dinner. And I did yeah. not know that. That makes sense. Though. That swap of like, 
all right, now let's go get Indian food rather than let's get Indian food and then touch each other a lot. It does make <laughs> quite a difference and uh, can confirm. Yes. I've had too many Thai food first dates, I will say. And uh, sure. <laughs> that was not in good wisdom. Tex-Mex for me. That mm-hmm. was the troubles. Ooh. Oh, yep. baby. Growing up where? Uh, well, I lived in Austin for a few years. Oh, yeah. I did grow up in Montana. No Tex-Mex So here. like Torchy's Tacos and Chewy's yep. and... Yeah, exactly. Kirby you queso, queso, Kirby Lane. Come on. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know Kirby Lane. Oh, yeah. All right. Good shit. Yeah. I finally got my own homemade queso recipe a few years ago dialed in. I think Are you from Austin? Is that I'm how you know Paige? I'm from Houston. I went to school in Austin okay. for a few years. So so I know queso. In queso in California, in Los Angeles, where I live currently, little to be desired. A lot to be desired. And Oh, same with Montana. It's like the Tostitos like jar that they just get at the store. And then if you're lucky, they heat it up. I know. Isn't that wild? Oh. Yeah. Um, we also have a friend in common, Kevin. Uh, Paige, I believe she's your dog sitter now. Hell yeah. Paige Smith. Yeah. Paige Smith. She rocks. We love we, Paige uh, Smith. I met Paige good. Um, a few years ago. And speaking of which, in Texas Connections and Queso, the first time we ever hang, hung out, we went to Chili's together. That makes sense because, yeah, she she's from – or she stayed with me when I was in Austin because she was visiting her parents. But, Kevin, you and I also performed one time in the same show at uh, the clubhouse back in, like, 2018. And it's okay that you don't remember because I didn't either until I found it, like, us tagged in the same poster. Wow. But I want to say you did, like, a song about – Maybe like a teen heartthrob or like a boy band or something. Oh my gosh, yes. I did I can't remember what the song is, but I'm sure I did some <laughs> sort of dumb ukulele thing. Anyway, Paige was in my sketch troupe that performed and she was adamant that we stick around and watch you. So But did Paige and I know each other at that point? No, we did not. We did not know, know each other at that point. <laughs> I'm ratting her out. I'm so wow. sorry, Paige. <laughs> oh, I can't wait to text her about this. How fun. Okay. She's very excited. Wow. Yeah. Oh, man. I I don't remember the song. Was it Ross's show or was it a different show? Was it Julia's show? It was my friend Bree's show. Bree and Julia. Bree. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Julia Seals, mm-hmm. right? The famous yes. author, Julia Seals, who just signed a two-book deal and the film rights. Did she? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What? She's That's incredible. She's on the up and up. She's one of these people That's so cool. that I'm just, I have no reason to be proud, quote unquote, of, because it feels like such a paternal or big brother instinct, but I am so proud of her, and I'm proud to know her as a friend. I barely know her, and I'm proud of mm-hmm. her, but yeah, it was their excellent adventure show. Yeah, that, that uh, was a good time. Yeah. Oh, how nice. Yeah. Alex, do you have anything you could show? Alex, did you go to that show? Were you there? <laughs> I did not live cool, interconnected lives in LA. I just hung out in Montana the entire time. That's such a, I'm so addicted to moments like that where it's like, we crossed paths and we didn't know it. And then we crossed paths three years later. And now it's like something else. That was like the guy that ended up being my first roommate in Los Angeles. I saw in a play two or three years before we ever lived together at the school that wow. we went to. And I didn't put it together until like a month into living with him. <laughs> You're like, hang on. Were you in that? See, I mean, especially now, especially with social media stuff, you can just hang on to people as long as you want. Really. It doesn't actually take that much effort to maintain a relationship. It takes like once a month check-in maybe. So it's true. And then literally yeah. it's like, if you checked in with one person once a month, you talk to them 
12 times in a year. That's more than most people do. Kevin, yeah. uh, let's get into it. What is our word of the day? You know what? The word of the day today is consistency. Oh, I love that. Consistency. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Mm-hmm. I got told by my most recent ex that her favorite thing about me was my consistency, that she knew what she was getting out of me every day. And I think ultimately it might have been my undoing. <laughs> oh, no. Wait, why, could it could <laughs> no. have actually have been your undoing, truly? Or, no. Okay. I'll, as as the best friend I can speak on this, I would say her un- inconsistency was probably the undoing. That's the thing. And and let's just say, is Matt, are we all in our late 20s, 30s? Where are we at age-wise? Yeah, late twenties. Late twenties. Late twenties. Yeah. Okay, I'm in my early thirties. I got. A, I was born in the eighties. Y'all were born in the nineties. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> for listeners at home, Jacob just made a grimace. Like that is true. <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> well, you know that's the difference between like uh, you're probably gonna message me on like Windows Messenger after this. Oh yeah, AIM. No, I'm sending you an AIM or an MSN. <laughs> Actually, so Alex and I, sorry, real quick, we did a show in our in my hometown in Lewistown, Montana, which is 7,000 people, mm-hmm. and we stayed at my grandma's house, and in there was Tupperware of Grandma Dorfee's homemade salsa, and it had not a Hotmail.com email address on the label, but a Hotmail.co, so There's it was a typo not only on old, it. but also a typo. Dot co. Kevin, listen to me. The amount of typos that exist in Jacob's hometown is insanity. We also saw a menu, uh, like a food menu, and burrito was spelled B-O-R-R-I-T-O, burrito. There was a spelling. Burrito. And I was like, are you kidding me? Wow, typo capital of Montana. Do you struggle with spelling now because of being raised in such horrid conditions? It's the opposite. I actually was like, I was winning spelling bees as a child, uh, sort of as like a rebellious act. That was, yes, that was your rebel with the cause and the cause being proper grammar and <laughs> yeah, spelling yeah. and knowing where letters go and in what order. At the same time, and this is completely off topic again, but their, their subway in this tiny town, it said uh, something like, oh, yeah, can- if your wife's mad at you, make sure you give her a foot long. When arguing, I got it. When arguing and you know she's right, get her a foot long. I I took a picture of that on the way out of town. That's on a public side. When you're arguing and you know she's right, get her a foot long. So the the literal interpretation of it is uh, give your wife like a gift, a nice sandwich. uh, If you're like in an (laughs) argument with her and it's like, you know what? I'm I'm sorry. That's the literal interpretation. The innuendo, of course, is right. Um, if your wife's right, she deserves the gift of sex and your mm-hmm. 12 inch long penis, uh, Correct. as the, the center of that sexual act. And that's not something I necessarily agree with rhetorically, but I appreciate Subway's creativity <laughs> and at least trying to comment on the infrastructure of committed relationships and marriage. Yeah, and I wonder if like Subway HQ knows about that. I was going to say we sh- you should tweet that at Subway and see what they have so. to say about that. This could be breaking yeah. news. <laughs> All right. So, what was there a story or or something that happened to you recently that inspired the word consistency? Oh, well, the thing I was saying before is like I think it's just something you value a lot more the older you get each passing year. The people that remain in your life as we we're saying about check-ins and whatnot are the people that can be consistent, which doesn't mean frequent, like it's every day or even every week, but 
consistency of character, consistency of provision, consistency of what, whatever, income, things like that. You value those so much more in the sort of chaotic inconsistency of our early lives and what lives were maybe like college or right post-college, uh, you definitely desire less of that. So I've, I've come to value recently, I don't really have a specific story about it, but just this holistic virtue of consistency. I, guess, I, I mean, it's not a story, but I guess just the examples I would think of in my life, as far as that stuff goes, is that it feels noticeable, especially post-vaccination, um, people's ability or inability to be consistent as life expands and blooms out and grows further from what it was from whatever your teeny tiny bubble in your home was to now a safe incorporation of the rest of your vaccinated friends and the rest of the world and being able to go places and travel and whatnot. So I've, I've come to value that more in my friends and I feel like the lack of it or Alex, as you pointed out, maybe what Jacob's ex had uh, a little bit of herself, inconsistency is a lot less attractive holistically in life and in people. Yeah, I completely agree. I think that is uh, that is something I think a lot of people are, if, if you experience it at a young age, I think you're one of the fortunate ones, right? Either in yourself being consistent or in the people you look up to being consistent mm-hmm. for you. That's, uh, you know, unfortunately not a thing that all people are able to experience uh, at a young age. I, I think that I was fortunate enough to, but one of my best friends in the world, after lots of years of, of sort of inconsistency, they started going to therapy and, and a couple of years ago, uh, and I've known this person since childhood. They were like, did you know that like having a routine every day just like makes your life better? Like doing the same thing every morning, like gets your day started well. And I, I didn't, you know, I took it for granted that I did know that. And I, I wish I had known they didn't know that. And I might've been able to communicate it to them earlier. Yeah. It's hard though. It's hard to give nuggets like that with any sort of authority when you're just a guy, you know, and you're right. not like a licensed <laughs> yeah. therapist, but I do believe in, in, this is a philosophy that my therapist has. It's the guy I still see, but I see him a significant amount less, but I've seen him for eight years. And his philosophy with therapy is that therapy is not something, the the things that happen within therapy are not things that are specific to therapy. They are tools that you use and learn in therapy that then you can implement with friends. It's like a real um, democratized, dispersed version of like the kind of whatever the special thing is that people love therapy for is really accessible and available to you in your relationships if you want it. Yeah. And I, I love that specifically about, you know, the millennial and younger generations is, uh, I mean, you have, we're, we have three people talking here who have all been to therapy and we, and I'm more than happy to share like, well, my therapist said that I should try this. And I know Alex has shared tidbits with me and, and other people in my life. I, I agree with your assessment mm-hmm. there. And, and I think it's cool that, you know, younger folks especially are, are, willing to share. Maybe there's like a therapist's like group and they're like, we got to fight back. You know, they're giving out our secrets for free. Yeah. Well, and two, <laughs> I mean, even more so because we're millennials, but for Gen Z, especially it's such an inverse of what it was for our parents where with our parents and especially our fathers, there was such a stigma to therapy. And now yep. there is literally a stigma if you don't experience therapy at all. 
If right. you don't, like the men would rather blank than go to therapy, you know, joke format on Twitter. Like people uh, have red flags raised by a person not even willing to try it out or go in even for a tune-up, if not like for a crisis. So that's changed in our lifetimes, I think. Yeah. yeah. And have you watched Ted Lasso season two, Kevin? I'm I'm about midway through it. I have not finished it. Okay. Well, so you've seen Ted's aversion to therapy, mm-hmm. which I felt rang a little hollow for me, but it might be because canonically that character is Gen X, you know, and I guess I, a lot of other characters in that show share like the millennial uh, sort of mindset. And so mm-hmm. seeing that, you know, maybe I, I was just kind of taken aback by him being being his old Gen X dad male self. There's a few <laughs> things in Ted Lasso that don't quite add up in the sense of, I think at one point he does say his favorite book is The Fountainhead. And he says, oh, but not yeah. for reasons that you think, which is just such a writer's room joke that if you track it down, it's like, Ted Lasso would not like the Fountainhead. He just wouldn't. <laughs> like, there's no, yep. you can't navigate your way around it. I, I don't think he just wouldn't like it. No, that's true. Although I can picture like a like an angsty Ted Lasso in high school having to read the Fountainhead, but he's also listening to like Sonic Youth. Yeah, exactly. I know you got to ameliorate it with some other stuff. <laughs> Alex, thoughts on consistency? Has there has there been anything in your guys' lives that has been consistent that has been maybe sort of odd or sort of uh, strange? It doesn't have to be like this concept of consistency. It's, it could be like a, a physical thing. And I'll give you uh, my example that I remember growing up uh, in middle school for the three years of middle school. So sixth grade, seventh grade and eighth grade, my principal would do the morning announcements and at the end of the morning announcements, every single day, she would go, make it a great day or not. The choice is yours. <laughs> okay. And all of us, I mean, even in middle school, all of us every single day would say it with her because we were so bored of like, we were so tired of hearing it. And then at the same time being like, you know, what happens if I choose no today? And I'm just not going to make it a good day. And I'm just going to cause chaos in this school. Like, <laughs> what do you mean? The choice is yours, huh? Make it a good day. Or not, there was that pause. There was yeah. always that pause. The choice is yours. That's the exact cadence. The threat of personal responsibility. <laughs> yeah. But I, just, I, I don't know. It was like, it was the first time anyone, I think, in my life had like given me the option to do bad things. Should I want to? You know, if you want to do bad things, you're going to face the consequences of the them. The choice but, is yours. Yeah. And then the kids was, who, you know, were unfortunately being raised in abusive homes or lived in abject poverty were like, uh, it's kind of my choice. Maybe not yeah, really. Yeah. <laughs> they're like, yeah, they're like, I woke up and it was shit, shit, it was shit every day. Um, so yeah, it was, a, it was odd. It was odd back then. I remember it being weird mm-hmm. back then for a thing to say. And then I went, I was like a senior in high school and I had to walk through the middle school or something like that. And she was still saying it. She, and I was like, look at all these kids. They're, you're still you're really doubling down on that mm-hmm. saying, hmm. like it's going to change your life. What a strange philosophy. Make it a good day, not the choice is yours. So something like that in our lives that has been, like became a weirdly consistent thing. Yeah, yeah. I had a friend in college who every like rock or emo show that I would attend, he was there. We would never even, I wouldn't even ask him if he was going after a while. I just knew that I would see him there. And this was probably six or seven, maybe eight shows over the course of like three and a half years. And it was always, there was one he wasn't at. And I like messaged him and was like, why are you not at this Jimmy World concert? And he was like, well, 
I couldn't make that one. And, 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 uh, that was, it was a fun consistency. I would say I had a lot of college acquaintances like that, where all of a sudden they weren't there. And, and, and that's when you really notice it, it's easier to notice inconsistency than consistency yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There's definitely like, like coworkers I've had that are like, we're friends. And I'm like, we're friends. Cause I see you every day. Yeah. Uh, at work. Uh, if friendship I of convenience and proximity. Yeah. If I didn't see you, we would not be friends. Mm-hmm. Like I can, I see you every. You know everything about me, but that's because on slow days at work, I have nothing to talk about. Right. So, I'll slowly reveal myself to you, but I don't actually like you. <laughs> huh? I mean, for me, uh, man. By the way, that does remind me of like the kind of euphoric rush I got post vaccine of just having the opportunity to run into people again. Something yeah. that did not happen for whatever, like a full year and change of like, Oh, you're here. Hi. Good to see you. I mean, it happened a little bit at BLM protests last year, but Mm -hmm. for the most part, just like going to a restaurant or a movie, it's like, wait, John's here. Cool. Hi, John. Like that just wasn't happening so much. I used to be pretty consistent in terms of like, uh, I remember when I first got to LA, just like being such a consistent attendee of certain events whether it was like certain, even like comedy shows or stuff, which looking back feels so lame now. Like I was there every week for like a year or whatever, but it felt significant or important at the time. And it felt like a way to foster a certain kind of community by running into the people, kind of like you were talking about emo shows, running into the same people and over and over again. So I think that's what, um, that's that like, that was the animating force. I'm trying to think, think, think of shows, something more fun, though, that's consistent. I think, what, I think consistently, consistency is it shows a lot of people what they need to know about someone, if that makes sense. If they, if they consider you to be a consistent person, as long as you are yourself and you're consistent, like they're going to see you as a positive, even if maybe necessarily they don't like agree with you, if, that, if I'm trying, like, they don't have to like you a lot, but they'll think of you, they'll say, that person's a good person because they're consistent. You know, I don't like who they are. They annoy me or whatever, but they're a good person. Well, it evinces a certain amount of order in people's lives, right? Where, okay, she goes to the gym every day at 5 a.m. I mean, that's an extreme example of, like, discipline and, and aspirational amount of exercise, but, but something where it's <laughs> sure. like, this is... This is this person's value and this is how it's made manifest. Or there's a South American food truck that's near my place every Saturday and pretty consistently consistently I go there. And then I like that because then I get to know the people working in the truck. They get to know my dog. They see the dog. They come out and say hi to him and pet him and stuff. Like, yeah, you're right. I think it it usually Unless Alex, like, yeah, it's they're consistently mean to me. They're a good, pre- you know, right. other than, uh, uh, you know, a, a bad example like that. It usually is something that's like, oh, isn't it cool how this person does this all the time? Or you hear those stories about, especially older people and old men in their retirement. They're like, and these are my guys I see for coffee every Tuesday at 6 a.m. And we always chop it up and go home. And it's like, oh, they care about friendship, even though. They're, you know, in their 70s or 80s and retired and don't have to have friends, you know, that, yeah. Kevin, did you, did you ever go to Rogue Improv in South Pasadena? Rogue Improv? No. What was the venue? A church. So 
it was like a weekly improv jam. And when I first moved to Los Angeles, I didn't know anybody. I needed to make friends. And I started driving from Koreatown to South Pasadena once a week to just go do improv. And I would miss it once in a while and almost feel bad at my inconsistencies because every time I was there, the same exact people were there, the same three people leading it there. And, and they were very nice. And I did make friends uh, through doing it, but I was, uh, you know, as a normally consistent person, I was almost intimidated by <laughs> their level of it. But I also learned that if you live in South Pasadena, it's a lot easier to show up at a church once a week than if you live in Koreatown. <laughs> I mean, it's <laughs> easier there. to not do anything if you live in Koreatown, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah, it, I did get out of there. I made it up to North Hollywood, oh, and that's when I started hanging out with Paige. Idle and, Hour, get at me. Oh, yeah, Idle Hour's seven. a good time. <laughs> love it, love that. I saw a solo there. Okay, great, yeah. That <laughs> I just picked out the psycho. most yeah. banal movie I could mm-hmm. think of. Did you ever, uh, oh, have you been to the, the Other Door? Like the Wicca-inspired bar? No, it's called The Other Door. Yeah, they serve drinks in like potion glasses. Oh, perfect uh, for spooky season. Exactly. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's it's honestly a great time. But every Sunday night for like a year and a half, I had movie nights up at my apartment in NoHo because there was parking nearby. Okay. Yeah. And I it wasn't a big deal to me. I was already there, but I, I was consistent for like a year and a half of just people would come up and watch movies and lots of Montana people that found their way down to L.A. and and I think they found it. Every Sunday night, you wouldn't like unless you had like you were out of town or you had like work or a show or something, you would do it every Sunday night. Exactly. And then I actually did have a couple of roommates who liked the tradition. So if I was gone, they would keep it alive and do it. That's really nice. Me. And and like what, how did, how did those nights change over time? Was it something that grew? Was it something that new people showed up at? Was there a churn in the attendance? Like what was the. Yeah. It kind of waxed and waned, you know, it was a, quite popular in the beginning and then it kind of during the winter months would wane in attendance. And then by the end, you know, yeah, we had a pretty consistent like six to eight people. We had a big living room mm-hmm. and uh, I don't even know why I'm relating this. This was it was like the one thing of community that I really found in Los Angeles. I ended up leaving after a couple of years because I did not enjoy myself, but that's for a different episode. Um, but yeah, and and we took turns. You know, we'd everybody that was in attendance, we'd put your name in a hat, and whoever, whoever's name got drawn, would choose the, the next movie. movie? Oh, that's fun. Yeah, yeah. So I remember there was a movie night with. Uh, it wasn't in. It wasn't in North Hollywood. It was. It was in Van Nuys, and it was this house full of guys I was friends with at the time. But they were cinephiles. They were like, oh, let's yeah. be quiet and watch David Cronenberg's Dead Ringers and not talk during <laughs> it. And, and the results of it, you know, pretentious though it may be, is I saw a lot of movies that I wouldn't have otherwise in pretty g- theater adjacent uh, ex- uh, uh, like circumstances in which it would have been a faux pas to whip out the phone or to make a joke or talk. I enjoyed that. And there was just a standing thing every Saturday night that I knew I could go to. So I'm sure people appreciated your nights like that the way that I did those guys's my version of that now I started doing that this past no I started doing it two summers ago I started hosting like um watch parties and movie parties over here 
Uh, the first one was Big Little Pies, where it was a mm-hmm. it was a watch party, and which we watched Big Little Lies season two. Not very good, but there would always be pie there. We would eat the pie after the thing, and everyone, food always makes a bad movie or bad TV. Better, oh yeah, right? it doesn't so. matter. Like Big Little Lies could have been like a you know a color test for forty five minutes, and we wouldn't have cared. But it was fun to like gather around something, and then that turned into horny summer movie nights, which I hosted every other week weekend and we watch like some erotic thriller like cruel intentions or fear or fatal attraction and then we brought that back this summer and now i'm doing it with the succession uh where we watch succession and eat homemade ice cream as you can see from the banner that is literally behind me on this call right now um but what i what i have really been proud of and really enjoy from that time is not only that it's sort of an open door thing where there are people that i've met for the first time in my life by them coming over either through like an instagram or a twitter invite or something or a friend of a friend but so there's that and i've made like probably lifelong friends that way but then also being able to mash up different people from my different spheres has resulted in some long-term romantic relationships that are still together. Ooh. There's two people that got together at one of the parties. They met here and I was close with both of them. And I kind of like stoked and fanned the fires of that flame and flames of that fire rather. And then they've been dating for two plus years. And another one just recently got together this summer. So that is kind of my legacy uh, at the end of the day. You strike me as someone someone who relishes this as well, that it's happened in your home and that you've sort of been involved. Yeah, Yeah. okay. Because, and especially because I grew up in religious backgrounds and so much of my early 20s was marked by church stuff. What I know enough to know now is that if you have anything to do with how people met or even if you're part of their engagement or wedding, there is a sort of friendship immortality that you achieve in that those are the most important people in their lives is, is, you know, the two people in that relationship, but you're going to be a part of their story. So when my friends Phil and Joel got engaged eight years ago, and I was the guy that popped out of the bushes and took pictures of them and then accidentally scared Joel. Well, you know, like I've, I've only seen them a handful of times in the last two years, but I'm always going to be the guy that was part of their engagement story. So I like having some sort of hand in that and almost like a, yeah, like bragging rights too. Like I created this. I didn't. Yeah, I didn't yeah. create anything. But I like. I like the idea that. Um, yeah, that I just get to play a small part in other people's stories. Sure. I was accidentally a part of someone's engagement. Okay. Recently, this summer, I was just on a run, and someone was getting proposed to, and I just came around the corner. <laughs> And they, he was down on one knee and I, I came around the corner and went, oh shit, as it was happening. <laughs> and then there was a fork in the trail and then she like bends down and is like, is crying and hugging him. And I'm like, um, so sorry, which way <laughs> And I, to the bottom? Cause I was up on a mountain. I was like, which way to the bottom? I was about <laughs> to ask like, where you were running. Cause I'm just picturing running in my residential neighborhood. I'm like, what a bad proposal site. But you were running <laughs> no. literally like in the mountains. Yeah, like in the mountains. Okay. <laughs> this is like, like a Schitt's Creek level thing where you're like up in the mountains and you do the hike and then you propose ah, at the top ah, of the mountain. Ah, yeah. Yeah. So that, I mean, I maybe, I hope I'm part of their story. I hope they're like, yeah, we got engaged and some asshole ruined it and asked me which way to the bottom. No, there was some 
<laughs> jacked fit dude that appeared out of nowhere like in the oh, movie. We're going to no, name no, no. our firstborn child after Like him. a gorgeous gazelle in a documentary or something. He came sweaty and through. Sweaty and very wobbly. Mm-hmm. I was like 11 miles into the run at that point and was trying to finish it. I um we, you had you had mentioned this, you know, this movie night has become we do I do a trivia night with my friends uh, every Wednesday we go to a bar and I remember the first time I went to the bar and I sat down and the bartender just brought me what I wanted to drink oh. like I didn't say anything to him he just brought me what I wanted to drink and I turned around and I was like thank you and he's like yeah you're here all the time my sister has that with the Euro place in town <laughs> I and know. then it's like um my my current good friend here met his girlfriend at trivia night and uh it's like a it's more of like a proving ground for anyone else if they have a significant other or or not even a significant other someone they're like oh we've been seeing each other for three weeks ish it's time to meet my friends i'm bringing whoever to trivia Mm -hmm. and that's how we can like vet this and it's like very intense for that person (laughs) i think as as is like trying to break into this thing that we all consistently go to and then you know they have to like keep up with how a bunch of loud people screaming at trivia i think so much of this too and the sort of desire for that and even even that it becomes a metric by which people are judged on (laughs) if they suck or not i think so much of this has to do with a lot of at least for me personally being raised in church and obviously shedding a lot of that in adulthood but now it's like people kind of like church for that reason that's the i that is yeah. the lutheran philosophy i've told people that you know this, I'll, I'll be like oh i grew up in the church they ask what denomination i say lutheran which is basically just an excuse to see your friends for coffee every week yeah so even if you don't want to go to literal church anymore i think people still want church I think that's why, you know, movies become church for people, having movie nights, having consistent trivia nights or, you know, like a a low-key volleyball thing or or Frisbee league or whatever. That that becomes everyone's church in a different way. Yeah. And it's this... It, it I do understand this like lovely sense of community in that regard. I I have I've never been a very religious person, but my best friend in the whole world uh, had a, a a tragic loss in his family that was very sudden, and I, I went down to the funeral, and he his family is ex uh, LDS, but they asked the LDS church to help, and it just they set up all all they said is we'll have like a hundred people here. That's it. And we just walked into the church. Everything was ready. There was food for all of us. There was, you know, it was spaghetti and all that. And he was like, he was like, yeah, this is why people go to church, you know, maybe not for the spiritual aspect or for him. It wasn't the spiritual aspect. It was he was like, it's this, you know, this has been super easy. When you don't have to pay taxes, you have like the time and money to do things like that. <laughs> yeah, that's really about right. tax exemption. <laughs> <laughs> no, I get that where it's like a, a place where in theory, obviously this doesn't happen maybe even most of the time, but in theory, it's a place where everyone has to be nice to you and has to be your friend. <laughs> so right. it does kind of return you to almost a preschool or kindergarten thought process of life where you can just like walk up to a kid with a rock and be like, Hey, do you want to be my friend? Look at this rock. And it's like, okay. Whereas like now as an adult, everything is so embarrassing. Kevin, were you ever a teacher? No. 
Okay. I know I was I've I was a preschool teacher on and off for a lot of years and you you I think you have like a good like teacherly vibe. I think you would be wow. good with uh with kids and, and educating, but you're absolutely right. Uh returning to like that kindergarten or preschool thing. That's something I've carried into my life now, much to the chagrin of strangers that I've just tried to start conversations with at points. <laughs> yeah, I know. Well, it's again, it's embarrassing. It's and it, I think there's obviously like a a particular heteromasculine hangup we have where it's like be saying like, do you want to be my friend and hang out? Like, it's just like, <laughs> right, so right. you'd much rather cloak it in like, Hey, we're all going to the Dodgers. You want to hang out with us, brother? Like it, it, yeah. it's, it's easier to do than being like direct and kind of pursuing. And I think there's even oftentimes I'll speak for myself, more of a vulnerability in pursuing that sometimes in romantic relationships because romantic relationships, people saying no is predicated on a thousand different things people saying yes is predicated on a thousand different things if someone says no to you as a friend it's because they just don't like you <laughs> there's like sure. no other way around it you know I mean, maybe they're busy and stuff but in the in the overall sense it's like i don't i don't want to hang out with you i don't want to spend time with you you know <laughs> whereas like romantic stuff you can write off and maybe that's true too but like you know you can write off as maybe a number of other things i uh one of one of my buddies here is um he was he's doing you know better than how he was raised but he was raised extremely right wing and extremely republican and um he has a lot of those tendencies but he's you know very pro lgbt and universal healthcare and blm and things mm-hmm. like that he just has some other right leaning things as well but the first time he was like do you want to go get a drink i was like are you asking me out on a date? And he was like, no. And I was like, well, then you got to ask me out on a date (laughs) if you want to be my friend. (laughs) And he was like, fine. Can I take you to go get a drink? And I was like, yay. That's fun. Yeah. Make it, (laughs) yeah. Make it explicit. Yeah. Yeah. And I had to just break down his little weird, his his weird barriers. Yeah. Cause he just wanted to do the same things. And I was like, ask me on a date. (laughs) Oh, how fun. I I should do that more. Yeah, just ask him on ask him on a date. Kevin, thank you so much for being so generous with your time and discussing consistency with us this week. We really appreciate I'm it. You're so uh, welcome. Again, you're the first ginger guest we've had on the podcast, and I, I think you are a great inaugural ginger. Yeah, and I hope the last one is Bill Burr, whoever is the most famous person <laughs> with red hair right now. We do have- Okay, we actually did try to get Conan. I yeah. got through to his people and they politely declined. Okay. Oh, that's, you know, that's nice. Sometimes getting a no, like a polite no is still a charge. Like I got a no from Ira Glass one time, but it was from him. It wasn't through his people and I was like, this rules. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right, yeah. You're like I'm framing this email. Yeah, yeah I was I was shocked they were like we asked Conan to do a ginger off because uh, we I, I went in thinking that he might find it funny that we claimed we're better gingers than him. Uh, and they were like, love that idea. Love the name of your podcast. He, we're not. No, it's, it's a no. <laughs> <laughs> it's just a no. And I've been like, he's busy right now. It's just absolutely not. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But they, they were much nicer than they had to be. And you have been as well. So we really appreciate it. Oh, no, I have to be this nice to survive. I'll I'll be crushed by anxiety if I don't. <laughs> I, I'm the same way. It's, it's really quite perverted in a sense. Yes. It's disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> what where can people find you, listen to you, follow you? 
we, you know, we want to get you that Montana following. Oh gosh. Well, people can find me at onlyfans.com slash Kevin T Porter. Uh, I got one only fan on there. It's a guy named Johnny. Uh, I haven't really posted anything, but he's trying to get me to post some nudes. We're going to see where that goes. So this is all yeah. true. Yeah. We've all got a Johnny in our lives. We've all got a Johnny that's like, come on, just one nude, come on. And then people can follow me at Kevin T. Porter everywhere. They can listen to Good Christian Fun, uh, wherever you get your podcasts or Inside Voices or old episodes of Gilmore Guys if they want to. It's all there for the taking. Go follow Kevin. Go listen to Kevin's podcasts. And Kevin, please say hello to Paige for me next time you see her. I will. I I most certainly will. Great. Bye. 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 Ginger on Ginger is brought to you by Kevin T. Porter's Kevin T. Porter. Go pick up a pint at your local bar today. 